Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos at Equity Bruin on Twitter. Joining me as always is Avery at Brave Grapes. Oh, Beeves! Craig at Bananamorphs. Hi. <laughs> no Matthew Huberson. He's not able to do it. He's not uh, feeling particularly well, but he'll join us. Uh, later on, the way we're doing this is uh, we're going to record half of this episode basically uh, right now and then half tomorrow when we actually know the results of most of these games. We might, maybe we'll get to the results of most of these games at the end, but uh, probably not. But for now, this is how we're doing it. Uh, so we did have some Pac 12 football, so we're going to discuss all 12 of the games eventually. Uh, we're recording this obviously during the halftime of the Beavlet and Washington games, as well as in the middle of the fourth quarter of a needlessly entertaining. Idaho Washington State game. Uh, but we'll react to that and splice in our reactions later. Uh, for now, we're going to do some uh, hot talk, some narratives, and talk about game predictions as we normally do. But first, leave us a five star review on Apple and Spotify. I don't know if you all know this, but we're down to 2.9 stars again on Apple. We said racism was bad on Twitter, and uh, obviously, BYU fans review bombed us again. Uh, so good job, Matthew Richardson. If you're out there listening to this part, uh, you nailed it. <laughs> uh, so if you also hate racism, please leave us five stars on Apple and Spotify. And finally, we have a ton of Patreon content over the past week, and we'll have more this coming week. Uh, Matt and Greg tried out this Pac-12 preview focused exclusively on, on gambling. Uh, it was a it was a fun time. I I am not a gambler. I don't understand shit like money lines and all that sort of stuff but they did a great job of entertaining me uh so if you want that sign up for our patreon we're moving that actually down to the three dollar tier so like you know that'll be a bonus episode i think maybe we'll probably try to get to the free tier it requires a little bit more work but uh we'll figure that out anyway uh we're recording this live on our patreon discord to do we've also done watch alongs with our patrons and our close pack 12 friends and all that so if you want access to the discord access to the conversation access to more bonus content on Pac-12 stuff, go to notruckstops.com. Okay, that's it. Let's talk some ball. Uh, and the first thing we do is try, I, I thought we would try out, is just a recap of all the things that went down in the Pac-12 this weekend. Just a quick recap from yours truly. Uh, the Pac-12 went 0 for 2 in its big matchups against the SEC. Oregon got hammered by Georgia in a largely non-competitive game in Atlanta, 49-3. Meanwhile, Utah traveled to Gainesville for a matchup in Florida and lost to the Gators 29-26 after Cam rising through a goal line interception to seal a win for Florida. Uh, In other Pac-12 versus Power 5 news, Colorado got fucking smacked by TCU, 38-13 after some questionable decisions by Carl Durrell. Um, And against the mid-majors, the Pac-12 did pretty well. USA beat the hell out of Rice 66-14 in yet another uncompetitive game, while Arizona handily beat San Diego State 38-20 in San Diego, spoiling the maiden voyage of San Diego State's new stadium. UCLA also beat its G5 opponent pretty handily bowling game uh, against Bowling Green 45-17. The Bruins overcame a brutal start uh, and a 17-7 deficit early on, uh, finishing the game with 38 unanswered points. And then the Pac-12 also played a bunch of FCS teams. ASU beat NAU 
somewhat handedly, handily, 40-3, pointing another Arizona school loss to NAU. Stanford beat Colgate 41-10 after some ugly special teams play early, while its crosstown rival beat uh, Cal beat UC Davis 34-13, following some early scares from the Aggies. All right, well, that's just a quick recap of the nine games we've seen so far. We'll get, we'll get recaps when we have the other teams, but uh, let's just get right into it. Let's start, I think, with the biggest outcome of the day, uh, certainly the most entertaining, the one that I think is going to be talked about the most. Florida beat Utah 29-26. Uh, this game was back and forth, up and down. The momentum swings were giving me whiplash. Uh, I want to know, Avery, your instant reactions to that game with Florida taking it 29-26. My instant reactions to that game are, one, Utah's defense has not improved. A lot of people thought that Utah's defense would be better this year, despite losing by far their best player in Devin Lloyd, the linebacker. And they were not better. They looked terrible out there. Um, my other instant reaction is Cam Rising does not do well um, under the stress of hostile environment. I know that Florida fans were saying shit about the Swamp for the last like month and I wanted to ignore it so fucking bad because thought home field advantage wasn't that big of a deal. I talked myself into believing that the home field advantage wouldn't be that big of a deal. And then I realized that uh, Cam Rising's worst away game, like stadium noise wise was probably Oregon state in his career. I don't think there's was, he's been to a more hostile environment before going to the swamp. That's fair. Like there's nobody. So I think that clearly rattled him. He was not as good as he's been built up to be. Maybe he just isn't good <laughs> against more talented teams and playing against Oregon and Ohio State were flukes because he was just not as good as we expected. But I think the, my biggest takeaway from this game is Utah's defense is just rough. Greg, what about you? Do you agree about, are you worried about Utah's defense? Are you worried about Cam Rising? I'm actually not really worried about Utah at all, mostly because I think the Pac-12 is fucking terrible. Like, they're not going to play in, in an environment nearly as hostile as the Swamp at all this season. They're not going to play Anthony Richardson again this season. They're not going to play anyone close to Anthony Richardson. Uh, they're not going to play, I think, a defense with the athletes that Florida has again this season. And despite all those things, Utah should have won without some really stupid stuff. Were you happy then with Utah's defense this game? Were you happy with Cam no, Rising? No, no, Utah's this game? defense was bad and Cam Rising was bad. It was the worst game of his career. Uh but I just don't think it matters in the context of the Pac twelve. They will be playing a better offense. USC is a better offense uh, than what we saw from Florida USC's today. USC is a better offense, however, Kayla Williams is not better than Anthony Richardson. Uh he is not nearly the athlete. He's not as strong. And I'll take my chances with uh I'll take my chances with Caleb Williams instead of Anthony Richardson, especially with how bad USC's defense looked today. Uh, I get that they had the defensive touchdowns, but like those were served on a platter for them. Rice was moving the ball really, really well. I don't think it's going to be a challenge for Utah to score on them. Uh, so I'm not super worried. Okay. Uh, and Oregon, of course, looked terrible. So in the context of the Pac-12, <laughs> I'm not super worried about Utah. However... What this game did show is that the Pac-12 is just a dog shit conference. Yeah. This, but I we mean, already this knew game, that. <laughs> we this knew game, that, we, but it's worse than we thought. 
we <laughs> had think. a conversation before this game in our episode last week, many weeks ago, that this was going to be a game that mattered for the Pac-12. Uh, I'd heard counter-arguments that it's one game, it's in Gainesville, it's opening season, like I get all of those things, but Florida is probably what, from what I'm hearing, from what people are saying, talking about the truck stops, like middle of the tier, like number six, number seven in the SEC uh, is probably where people are placing them. And I am, <laughs> I am, uh, I don't think that that's a good thing that Utah uh, struggled with Florida. Uh, it was a good game. I will say highly entertaining, a lot of great plays back and forth. For all of Utah's defensive struggles, I thought that they kept themselves in the games when they really needed to. I was wildly impressed with uh, Dalton Kincaid and Brent Keithy. Uh, that part of the passing game, whenever it got to them, I felt like uh, good plays were happening. Um, but yeah, generally this is a, a tough game for Utah. It felt like even when Florida wasn't uh, getting points, wasn't scoring, they were driving on Utah and kind of did whatever they wanted. I will say that like, while Florida is probably one of the most talented teams Utah will play, they're, Utah's similar. I mean, sorry, USC will be similar. Uh, they don't have Anthony Richardson, that's true, but they do have Caleb Williams. And I, and I also don't wanna say like Anthony Richardson, no one's gonna come close to Anthony Richardson in the Pac-12 because uh, how many times have we seen SEC quarterbacks have like really good opening games or early season games and then over time just sort of like aren't as good as they had seemed earlier so i'm How not many times? ready so to actually, say hold on greg i'm curious uh, hold on greg <laughs> I, I like I, I like i think this i think this is not an abnormal thing to happen and then in nine the thing is in nine weeks we're probably going to look back at this and say man how did how did utah let anthony richardson complete their quarterback completely run over them uh, they made him look like a Heisman contender, and I feel very confident saying that he will not be a Heisman contender by the time like week eight rolls around. He's really fucking good, and there is high expectations. It was great, great game. The season. Yeah, great game. He's expected to be one of the first quarterbacks off the board in yeah, the he's upcoming like QB3. draft. Okay. Yeah, like okay. this was expected. And I will say to you, saying that Florida's in the middle of the pack, I think they were just kind of stuck there because no one knew what to expect from Florida going into the season. Okay. I definitely don't think I knew what to expect from Florida. So they just put them in the middle saying, oh, they could have a high ceiling, but they could also have a low floor. And I think how they looked with Anthony Richardson proves that Florida is probably going to be in the top quarter of the SEC schools. But I also just don't watch a lot of SEC ball, so I can be wrong. But I think he was very good at quarterback, and I think he's going to be a big problem this season for the teams that play him. He had some incredible moments, I will say. Like that, he had that one two-point conversion where he like did it. He faked that. It wasn't just like a fake pump pass. It wasn't just a fake pump pass, right? It was like, I'm going to fake throwing it out of desperation. And he spun around. It was incredible. Like, it was it was magic. It was magic. In the group chat, it's Taylor said that they're expecting him to be the 12th player off the board overall draft tied draft. for chad says 12th best odds to win the heisman maybe i'm wrong i think you're clearly just i don't know shit about <laughs> yeah clearly i don't know shit about truck stops uh i was just like i like bo nix had like an early career like breakout performance and then what happened to him okay bo nix um, was bad in that game though okay yeah, people I've, think bo nix was good in that game he was not okay all right fair enough uh, but he but and Anthony Richardson was incredible in this game. I think I think the Pac-12 has good enough quarterbacks to at least kind of compete with him. Caleb Williams, 
Like, Caleb we, Williams is a good awesome quarterback today. in a different way, and he has yes. traditionally struggled against good defenses. Not that Utah is a good defense, but I do not think he is. Uh, he's not invincible, uh, and he's not close to the athlete. And I think the athleticism sure. is the bigger issue. Uh, like the the option is just it was so impossible for Utah to deal with. I will say that Utah always struggles at the beginning of the season every year like regardless of how experienced their team is. So we very well could be looking back at them once we're in week eight and saying, wow, that this is a completely different defense. Like what the fuck happened against Florida? Like, I think the defense will improve over the season, but I think everyone expected the defense to be better than they are. <laughs> they looked slow. They looked really like Florida made them they look didn't know, really slow. It was like fundamentals. Like I want to say they just got out athleted, but like in some situations it was just, they, it seemed yeah. like they forgot how to tackle or they yes. forgot how to keep their eye on the ball. It was, mm-hmm. it was very painful to watch coming from. They were out of position so frequently. You just expect so much from these Utah coaches because Utah has not had much turnover on the defensive coaching staff, like at all since Kyle Whittingham came here. So like, it's kind of brutal to watch. Yeah. I mean, uh, Utah looked, uh, you're right. I think they looked out of position very frequently. We talked about it on Twitter and stuff like that. It's just like, and and maybe this has to do, maybe we're going to have to give Billy Napier some credit down the line when we see what it looks like, but it really did look like some of the play designs were keeping Utah's uh, on their heels. Like it looked like they were just backpedaling all of the time and out of position. But uh, what were you going to say, Greg? I thought it was funny to see like the, uh, the difference between Scally and Ludwig in this game, because I thought Ludwig called a nearly perfect game for Utah's offense. Like the two point conversion I think was bad and running three straight times on the goal line was not great. But outside of that, I thought Ludwig did a fantastic job dealing with all the problems that come with not having great receivers, uh, a hostile environment with this in the swamp, and Cam Rising having his worst game uh, at Utah. Like Despite all that, I thought Ludwig put Utah's offense in the best possible position almost the entire time, whereas the defense looked just in- entirely unprepared uh, for everything, which is stupid because what Florida did was incredibly predictable. Like... Why did we look shocked every time Anthony Richardson, the super athletic quarterback, ran the ball? It there was, was just no one so... even attempted to put a spy on the quarterback, which is yeah, it was like there was grievous just zero mistake. preparation. I agree. Yeah. I think that the play calling on the offense was really, really good, and it was Cam Rising who fell short. Mm-hmm. I think I do think that goal line stand. Let's go back to the goal line stand. Let's describe it for people who didn't get to watch or didn't, don't really remember it. Uh, this was uh, coming into the what the third quarter, I think, early on. Uh, Florida's up 14 to 13. Utah sustains a really nice drive, gets all the way down to the Florida one. And Utah has four plays, four shots at trying to get a touchdown. They go for it uh, on fourth down. And it was uh, a brutal, <laughs> it was a, a, a brutal sequence. They ran Tavion Thomas and Cam Rising. Uh, all three times Tavion Thomas started with a run he slipped up lost two yards got to the Florida three uh cam rising they called it well I'll continue uh yeah so then cam rising gets the ball uh it's a QB draw he goes up the middle uh I think he got in but they didn't give it to him and you know it's fine can't count on a perfect call on the goal line it's very tough 
And then uh, Tavion Thomas, he gets the ball, runs up the middle. He fumbles uh, before he gets across the line, so that's not a touchdown either, and Florida gets the goal line stand. And that was a huge moment in the game because uh, Utah, in the second half, was able to really impose their will offensively and sit on the clock. So if they'd had the lead, like if they'd had the cushion, I really think they could have protected it, but because of the because of the goal line stop there uh they didn't have the cushion and you know kudos to florida they 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 did a great job yeah the call um was kind of infuriating because i think most people were saying that he got over the line but probably shouldn't have continuously run the ball (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially annoying because of uh how well the uh play action bootleg worked when we used it like kincaid was wide open Keithy, it worked with him too. Uh, it's, that was frustrating to me, but I'm not going to be mad at Ludwig, which is out of character for me because I've been mad <laughs> at Ludwig in each of probably our last five losses, mm-hmm. uh, except for the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl doesn't count. That was special. <laughs> uh, I feel like yeah, I can I thought... usually blame the play calling when when we have a loss or the offense isn't playing well but it definitely felt like it was on the players execution here yeah and, which and the defense yeah and the nice thing about that at least is they can like fine-tune their execution and get better if the play calling mm-hmm. stays good so it's like more hopeful for down the line and i agree that none of the competition in the pac-12 besides like usc and maybe oregon are even going to be anywhere near that, near that level it's still frustrating because it was clearly within grasp and it just didn't happen. Uh, I, I jumped off because, uh, uh, I think things are just hot. I don't, uh, one, one thing that, uh, we need to talk about during all of these games is the weather. This is like a historically, a historically hot weekend all across the West. Uh, I think that was somewhat true in Florida, but it was definitely genuinely a factor. Like, we saw it. We actually did see it in the Florida, <laughs> the Florida Utah game. Like a bunch of Utah players were cramping up. Uh, so I say all that to say things got really hot. Like I and and um, I think my devices literally started unplugging because things like things shut down. Oh wow, so that's kind of yeah. Did, I, I'm touching everything. And it's hot as hell. Did the humidity <laughs> beat Utah? I will not say no, and I hate myself. So the I me. will say no. I will yeah. say no. Yeah, probably. I think that. They were cramps, and Travis Broughton did puke on the field. However, that is not because of the humidity. He did that in week one last year He's in Salt Lake City. He's a boy. He, he, he likes to have a puke at the beginning of the season, you know? <laughs> Should we move we on to, to the Oregon game? <laughs> Let's talk about the Oregon game. That's exactly yeah. wanted to do that. Georgia, Speaking of com- puking. Yeah, completely <laughs> fucking throttled Oregon. Uh, this game... Not competitive at all for like a minute at any point. Georgia went up 21-0 at the 825 mark in the second quarter. Uh, I did not watch much of this game because, first of all, I knew this game was not going to be competitive. I did not know it would be this non-competitive, I will say. But I was locked into Arizona-San Diego State because I was more excited about about that game. But, Greg, what did you see in this Georgia-Oregon game? Were you locked into it? And, like, are you feeling differently about Oregon this season? I saw... Oregon's uh, defensive line and front seven, which is supposed to be a strength of theirs, get absolutely sat on. Like, they fucking sucked. Uh, (laughs) It was pathetic. 
I don't know the last time that Oregon has looked that bad. Probably 20 years. I don't know. Uh, like When they played Utah last year. I mean, they looked better then, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, maybe the offense was similarly bad, but the defense was better against Utah. And that, I think, was concerning. Because while, or, uh, while Georgia's offense is like a better version of Utah's, like they run very similar stuff to Utah, except their players are all better, um, which of course matters a lot. The fact that Georgia, uh, Oregon just looked so impotent on both sides of the ball, but the defense was the one that surprised me more. It really did make me think less of them, and I get that it's an SEC team, and I get that it's maybe the best SEC team except for maybe Alabama, but I don't know how you come out of that game not thinking a little less of, uh, of Oregon. Yeah, Chad has a great point. You cannot be ranked and ranked within eight spots of your opponent and lose by 46. You know what this had shades of? This had this this game reminded me of USC Alabama t- 2016. When USC yeah. went in there and it was a hyped game, although I think you, Alabama was still heavily favored. They got blown mm-hmm. out like 52 to 6 uh, in very similar fashion. So I, Avery, what were you going to say? I will say that even though I've been an Oregon apologist and I'm probably going to do a more Oregon apology, I do think that Oregon was overhyped to start the season. They are in the Pac-12. They, you had them going 11-1 and one or 10-2. I had what them going 10-2 because the conference is ass, okay? <laughs> okay, okay. In comparison to the rest of the country and the top 25, it felt wrong that Oregon was ranked as high as they are with how much unknowns there were coming into the season. New quarterback, new coaching staff. Um some players leaving the team. But I have a I'm hesitant taking a lot away from this game other than Oregon was overhyped in terms of national ranking just because I believe that Georgia and the SEC, top of the SEC are so much better than the Pac-12 in every way shape or form. I genuinely think the Pac-12 is dog shit as Greg Greg said earlier. And so I don't like want to be too hard on Oregon other than like this is kind of what you'd expect from a team that has a brand new coaching staff, a brand new quarterback, lost one of their running backs. Like, I don't know. I did expect them to at least get a touchdown, and that didn't happen, <laughs> clearly. But, yeah. oof. This was a shitty game, but I also feel like I need to see more from Oregon before I decide that they're, like, an 8-4 and four team, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I... I, I again I caught glimpses of this game out of the corner of my eye and largely it looked like Oregon just it just looked like Georgia was doing whatever they wanted offensively from the jump. Oregon had like a couple of sustained drives here or there, but like when it came right down to it, Bonix uh was not ready for this kind of shit, which is crazy because he probably played Georgia once or twice. Uh and when when he was at where was he at? Auburn? Is that where he was? I don't yeah. even remember. They yeah, played, he Auburn. played them three times. Played them three times. Never it went looked well. Like it, yeah, well, I guess it, it looked like he had no idea what he was doing uh, in the bit that I did see. Uh, crazy shit. There's no... Uh, so Oregon had no one ro- run for more than 40 yards in this game. Uh, their leading rusher was, was Bo Nix with 37 oh. yards. Their next... Their next leading rusher, their actual like running back who led the team in rushing was Sean Dollars. Four carries, 33 yards. At, like, pretty fucking brutal. Like, I don't know what was... 
that was a horrific performance all around. Um, there's nothing redeemable about this performance. Like, I'm not even sure what you, even Oregon fans who I think like are the biggest fucking copers in the entire Pac-12. Like, they will come out of games being like, hey, you know what? Uh, it looked good because of this and that. Like, even they, by consensus, are like, this was fucking dog shit. Um, this is not a great way to start off for a coaching staff that I think people were skeptical of. Dan Lanning, first game ever. Kenny Dillingham, first time taking over a system. Uh, a coaching staff that's like largely made up of guys who can recruit but not really coach and develop. So, I mean, again, it's it's only one game. I get it. But I'm worried about I'm worried about Oregon. Also, considering that people are saying that Flo and Sewell were the best linebacker duo, duo in the country, I did not see that this game. Oh, boy, I didn't I even see a shred of them. And I understand if everything's crumbling around you, it's hard to stand out. But like, holy shit, that those that looked bleak. Yeah, yeah, there was nothing redeemable. Like I expect someone that we're talking about. We're talking about people are talking about Flo and Sewell both being drafted in the first or early in the second round, which is just crazy. First of all, because Flo, that's his like first full game in Oregon gear, right? But that's not a first round <laughs> linebacker, even if they're playing one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, from the little I saw, it was like I, like just getting straight up beat. Uh, Noah Sewell. Uh, this was the guy that we said was going to be our Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year favorite. Uh, now, the other one that we, were, that we were talking about was Clark Phillips third. He was I still think Nephi Sewell is our favorite, and that Noah. just goes to show... Sorry, Noah Sewell is our favorite, yeah. and that just goes to show how much better <laughs> Georgia is than every part of the Pac-12. Probably. Um, Sewell, Sewell had three tackles, two solo tackles, and Flo had ten tackles, five solo, and he had tackle for loss. I... I feel like that's way better stats than I thought for Flo. <laughs> ah, yeah. Brutal game. Anything else about this uh, ridiculous Oregon-Georgia game? All right. Well, let's take a quick break and talk about the rest of the Pac-12 games when we come back. If you haven't bought a shirt of your favorite Pac-12 team from Homefield Apparel, what are you doing? Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. They make shirts of your favorite college teams using vintage designs and aesthetics. The designs are absolutely beautiful, and the shirts themselves are super soft and really, really durable. Uh, they're so great, my wife bought a UCI t-shirt and she didn't even go there. So if you like your school, you like soft shirts, and you like vintage stuff, Homefield has shirts for Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA, USC, Colorado, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, Washington, and Cal. Go check it out. First-time buyers at Homefield get 15% off with code NOTRUCKSTOPS at homefieldapparel.com. Aw, what's wrong there, young sports fan? My life is falling apart. My family left me because I won't shut the fuck up about my favorite team, the Oregon Ducks. What you need is to join the rest of the flock at the Quack 12 Podcast. Sounds great. Is it some kind of drug? Will an eighth be enough? Because I'm chosen really bad. No, it's not a drug. It's even better. It's the world's greatest Oregon Ducks podcast. So do I snort it? Visit quack12podcast.com to find free weekly episode and links to the Quack 12 Patreon. I'm sold. Who needs a family with drugs like this? Quack, quack. Let's talk about the wins against the mid-majors. Arizona, USC, UCLA. All three of these teams beat their mid-majors. Uh, snuck in Arizona there. Like, uh, I didn't think y'all would notice. 
Uh, as we said earlier, Arizona beat the shit out of San Diego State, 38 to 20. USC did the same to Rice, beating the piss out of them, 66 to 14. Uh, and UCLA overcame some some real early competence to eventually route Bowling Green, 45 to 17. Avery, let's start with you. Who most impressed you against their mid-major opponent? Arizona, USC, or UCLA? It's Arizona. We yes. we've been new I'm about Arizona. <laughs> Arizona was incredible. Okay, they had some bumpy parts of their game. I didn't yes. watch all of it, but I knew it got pretty ugly at times. But I don't even care. We are not expecting Arizona to go 8-4. and four. We're not expecting them to go 7-5. and five. We are hoping for 6-6. Six and six. And you don't have to be pretty to get to 6-6. Six and six. You just have to win the damn game. And they won it. And they won it well by 18 points. I'm thrilled. Um there's a good chance they get crushed by an FCS team next week, but we will push through and carry on. That was fucking electric, and I'm so happy we get to rub it in everyone's face. Arizona's talent overhaul in one offseason, it's real. Like, yeah. they look dramatically better. Like, I, I can't even begin to describe to you how different they looked from last season. Against, if you watch the Arizona-San Diego State game last year, they had like kind of put up a fight against BYU and they were really struggling, but they were competitive. They were really fighting. They were scrappy. Got they played against SCU seemed to look like absolute ass. Uh, but in both of those games, you could tell uh, early on in the season that Arizona was just they did not have enough talent to to keep up besides having to do like really gimmicky weird stuff. It's like kind of watching uh, one of those like FCS teams where like keep unnecessarily keeping up with a team way longer than they should, right? Like. They're getting like every third down feels like they're laboring and they're, they're, you know, it feels like every yard they're getting is just like the hardest thing they've ever had to get. That's not what Arizona, they looked like definitively the better team against San Diego State. Like they pushed them around offensively. Uh, they were getting much of whatever they wanted against San Diego State. And if San Diego State had a few drives in there where you're sort of like, oh, that's where Arizona defense may not be that great. But on the whole, like, they did what they want with San Diego State. Uh, Jaden Delora, he looked awesome. He looked so much better than he did last year. Uh, he looked really good this year. I was impressed by him. Between him, uh, their running back, Michael Wiley, and their wide receiver, Jacob Cowing, they've got a nice little trio of skill position players that, like, Don't forget look... T-Mac. And uh, Teteroa McMillan. Yeah, T-Mac. Uh, they have a nice collection of of skill position talent and their offensive line looked pretty good against the San Diego state program that like typically has a good defense. Like they, they generally have like a competent, good defense and their Arizona kind of did whatever they wanted. Greg, are you, you're the one who's weeping right now. Cause you told us that Arizona was going to be dog shit. You wanted to pick San Diego state, except that it went against your morals. I bet on Arizona. Uh, <laughs> oh, now several you're times against... for this game. Come on, okay, Greg. Greg. <laughs> So, I'm quite <laughs> pleased with the result of this one. <laughs> okay. I, uh, yeah, I, however, I do want to say this. Arizona looked better than I thought they would. Absolutely. Okay. Not going to okay. deny that. However, I do think San Diego State flattered them in some ways that maybe won't, they won't have the luxury of going forward. I think against everybody they play, Delora will be solid. If Delora is at his best, he can be good against anyone. He will have his mistakes. Like, he did throw a really dumb interception uh, against San Diego State, but for the most part, he was great. Uh, Cowing is just an awesome receiver. It doesn't matter who he's playing. Mm -hmm. I think T-Mac is a great receiver as well. 
Their defense, however, I thought looked really bad. San Diego State is a terrible offense, and I think that's the only reason this game wasn't like 48 to 42. I think once uh, Arizona plays some teams with competent offenses, they're going to get scored on, and they're going to get scored on a lot. And I think when they play some teams with better defensive lines, will the Pac-12 have better defensive lines? We don't know. Uh, But if they do play better defensive lines in San Diego State, I think they're going to get pushed around uh, on their offensive line. But again, I'm not going to deny that they definitely looked better than I thought they would. We need to talk about Arizona's special teams. Um, Arizona had a punt attempt out of their own end zone where the punter punted the ball into his blocker's butt. It was... (laughs) electric yeah go check that out on our uh on our uh twitter account no at no truck stops pod we posted the video we have got the video of the uh, infamous butt punt as chad called it in our discord chat extremely funny <laughs> it's just it's hard because he's i get it it's like tough to be they were like on their own one what was the blocker doing so let me just set up the picture here they are inside their own one. Uh, they are punting it out. So there's not a lot of room to operate there. The punter gets the ball, uh, goes to kick it, and, and his foot and the ball both like go right into his blocker's ass. Um, so you're blaming this, Greg. You, you think the blocker's in the way. The blocker was like literally three feet in front of the punter. Like, Why were you so close to the punter? And the worst part was the blocker didn't have anyone in front of him. Yeah. Like, he did not need to be there. He was just sort of backing up. And the punter has to be moving forward because he's the punter. Like, the blocker forgot where he was. Who was it? Do we know the player's name? I, did I, anyone I, catch no. that? I mean, we could find it probably, but I don't know. <laughs> How embarrassing. Uh, we don't need to blast him like that. I mean, is they did win. Okay? <laughs> is he his okay? ass yeah, was that's... quite thick. Guac is right. Uh, Guac in the Discord chat said, ass too thick. Um, I, I noticed that as well. I was surprised someone that big was was there, but I guess people. And he's unfazed. I'm big. watching the replay. And he's just <laughs> going on to block the guy. He didn't even notice that this guy with a fucking very strong leg right off buried his leg in his ass. <laughs> <laughs> very there funny. Uh, there crazy was... special team shit this week. All over the Pac-12. Wild. It was so bad. <laughs> Special teams was so <laughs> bad. Who else? Who else was it? I'm we had to two... you to talk about UCLA. Oh let's, yeah, let's talk about UCLA. Stanford had a couple, so let's let's hang on to that because Stanford also had some insane special teams play. UCLA though uh, started off with some absolutely ridiculous special teams play. Uh, UCLA went down early, seventeen to seven, in part because at one point. There did they muff? No, they had a punt blocked. I think for a touchdown yeah. from Bowling Green, yeah. um, and then an ensuing possession, uh, their punt returner Jake Bobo, who is also meant to be their lead receiver, didn't quite make make sense. He's not really a punt returner type. He's like a six four big guy. Like I'm not sure where you have him returning punts, but he's out there returning punts with like a baggy jersey because they have him wear a different jersey for punt returns. And so he's number 87 on punt returns, but then he takes it off, I guess, to uh, play wide receiver, and he's number nine as a wide receiver. And so anyway, he comes out in a number 87, very baggy jersey, and uh, muffs a punt. And Bowling Green recovers and gets a touchdown. 
But uh, UCLA, to their credit, did overcome that somehow, scored 38 unanswered. Uh, it looked really bad early on. But I don't know, Avery, what were your thoughts about the game? Did you get to watch much of it? And did you have any thoughts? What what, what did you notice? Um, I noticed that DTR looked really bad in that game. The parts that I was watching, I'm, I think he started doing better as the game went on. He had like a terrible interception over the middle of the field that made absolutely zero sense. Um, overall, I was just like genuinely unimpressed with UCLA. That also could have to do with the heat. Cause like you were saying earlier, the heat was just fucking insane. There was like 13 people in the Rose Bowl. It was really bad, but I was, I was unimpressed with what I saw from UCLA, um, from a team that Carlos said would be the second or third best team in the Pac-12 South. Uh, first, I mean, uh, they, they, Still might be the third best team in the Pac-12 South, but I'm not sure that that means anything. <laughs> uh, I uh, Yeah, so the DTR, I think, I'll say this about UCLA. The worst part about that game, and the most concerning thing, if you're a UCLA fan, the most concerning thing, by far, hands down, a fucking horrific offensive line performance. It felt like every time they dropped back to pass, DTR had to scramble and figure something out. And to DTR's credit, he did do that. He had that really horrific pick. That No excuse for that one. But generally, it was sort of like he had to make plays out of nothing. And at one point, he actually turned one of those uh, desperation scrambles into like a 60-yard touchdown run. Uh, it, was, it was incredible at some points. Uh, but, you know, it was not... <laughs> It was a bad game from the offensive line. At some point, UCLA actually had to revert to um, getting calling plays that were designed to get 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 the ball out of DTR's hands quickly, like immediately. Just these quick hit sort of throws because they could not hold off Bowling Green's pass rush. Bowling Green's pass rush. They could not hold it off. So that's concerning. The defensive line it looked good for UCLA, but I think it's. The extent to which they were going to be good was a bit has been a bit overblown. Like I, I don't think they looked that good. I thought they were fine. That they were good. Uh, but other than that, it was it was a really bizarre performance uh, from everyone except DTR and Zach Charbonnet, who I thought looked really really good. Felt like the vast majority of his yards were coming after contact. Um, but it was an ugly game. There's no doubt about that. And to your point about the heat grapes, like. Uh, I'm not sure how much it affected UCLA's play, but it certainly affected the environment. There was only, I think, UCLA had a record low attendance of like 24, 25,000, something like that. Heat all it was across the country was crazy. 27. 27, uh, probably much lower than that. Last time, I feel like there was probably 8,000 people in the stadium. Yeah, and, and we didn't mention this during the Arizona-San Diego State game, but also that was the hottest game on record for a football game in San Diego ever. Uh, crazy. so it was about 110, I think they said on the field. So this is just a uniquely hot weekend. No wonder Arizona thrived. <laughs> well, they were in their element. Yeah. San Diego state was like, what the fuck is this? Um, anyway, so Greg, any thoughts about UCLA? Yeah. I mean, I think that we, maybe not you, you were, uh, you were on them as seven and five this year, but, uh, me at least, uh, I underrated what the the losses, the effect that would have on them. Like it was very clear that the offensive line, like you both mentioned, was bad, and uh, it was also very clear that uh, at least to me, the receiving targets missing uh, it had an effect. Also, Charbonnet was incredible, and 
I definitely underrated him in the offseason. Uh, I think he's a clear number one back in the, in the conference. But um, I'm a little more worried about UCLA than I was uh, than I was before the season. Even though they did cover the 24-point spread, uh, I thought that was worrying I'll, for all the reasons that you mentioned. Their one saving grace will be that, like we have already mentioned, the Pac-12 sucks, and so they might <laughs> still be able to have a really good year despite the fact that their team might not be that good. Yeah. Uh yeah, it, it definitely made me even want to go lower than 7 and 5 for this team. If especially if I mean again, it's just one game, but especially if Arizona's going to look as good as they did today, like suddenly I, I I don't think the gap between UCLA and Arizona is nearly as big as we thought. I, I don't know, Greg, do, do you really you really reevaluate that one cuz you were pretty convinced that UCLA was dramatically better than Arizona. You walk away today feeling the same way or are you changing your mind? I I am definitely I think the gap is much smaller than I thought it was. I still think UCLA is the better team yeah. because maybe I shouldn't, but I do trust DTR more than Delora. Um and I also think UCLA's defense despite the struggles that they had uh in that game against Bowling Green, I still think they're better than Arizona's defense also. And so I think they'll win when they play each other. But I will no longer be that surprised if Arizona wins, and uh, I will also be expecting a much closer game than I would have otherwise. Arizona also has the better coaching staff. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's. Uh, I think Jeff Fish is a better coach than UCLA Chip Kelly. I think Chip Kelly is a good in-season coach for the most part, still, and I still have my questions about Jed Fish's uh, in-game coaching. We will see. As a recruiter, Jed Fish is much better. Yeah. Uh, and so overall, I'd say Jed yeah. Fish is a better coach. But uh, in season, I'm not sure. Well, yeah, we I, need I, more we'll games. See. More yeah. more data. More data. Absolutely. Uh, USC oh, beat Rice. I did not. I got to be honest with you. I barely watched this game. Most of it that I did watch was more ridiculous, insane, just plays from USC uh, skill position players. <laughs> Uh, but did any either of you watch USC Rice? All, any impressions? All I know about USC Rice, because I didn't watch it, was the things that I heard through Jackie. Um, <laughs> our friend in our Jackie. Group chat. Yeah, she was giving us a rundown of all of the defensive touchdowns, because apparently USC had three pick sixes in this game, which is crazy. But yeah. other than that, I did not watch. It sounded like Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams and... Everybody else had like a really good game, but they were playing Grice. So I'm glad yeah. they had a good game because if they didn't have a good game, that would be extremely embarrassing. But <laughs> I feel like there's still a lot to learn about this team. Yeah. I mean, they needed to kind of come out here uh, and and dominate Rice, and they did. That was a packed crowd, by the way. I, was, I, was, I did catch that. The Coliseum was rocking. That, that was a raucous crowd. They're pumped up about USC right now. This is the most excited excited I've ever seen people be about USC football. But uh, the game, the parts that I did watch, incredible offensive play here in this game. Um, Caleb Williams was doing whatever he wanted. It felt like they were just slinging it all over the place. Uh, Caleb Williams went 19 for 22 off 200 uh, with 249 passing yards, two touchdowns to go along with 68 yards. Uh, USC had a combined 208 rushing yards. Uh, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different players carry the ball. Uh, so no one got more than 
Caleb Williams at 68. They just spread it all over the place. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve different players caught a pass from Caleb Williams. Crazy. So absolutely insane. Uh, I don't have any notes of, uh, about this except uh, USC could be back early. This could be just them, you know, beating the shit out of a, a, a much lesser team. But you know, it is what it is. I was gonna say about USC though. The offense, I think, was completely unsurprising. Uh, I feel like most of us, we, we all expected USC to try and put on a show. I was impressed by how good the rushing game was, although how much of that is just Rice being really, really small and bad defensively. Uh, I, was imp- I was impressed. Nonetheless, Austin Jones looked really, really good. Uh, he's going to be getting more carries this year than I thought he was going to. I thought... Uh, by the end of the year, he might be a third to Travis Dye and uh, and Relique Brown, but it looks like he's going to be getting just as much as those two. He was he looked great. The defense was concerning to me. Uh, Rice moved the ball on them uh, pretty easily, like a little distressingly easily. Uh, but USC has what decent to good USC teams have had for the last 10 years, which is DBs that can make plays. Uh, And so that could be, I don't know, that could be something that carries them to a Pac-12 championship if Cam Rising plays like he did against Florida. Yeah. No, I think that's right. It's going to be interesting because uh, if USC is this good, I I don't know. It's going to cause problems at the top of the conference. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're maybe two or three of these blots away from USC being positioned as the new front runner to be honest so we'll see I, who knows we, we just don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard to figure out what the hell is going on with with and USC i don't think we'll find out that much more when they play stanford next week no no <laughs> by no means will we do that. we might find more about the defense uh a little but i think they'll again waltz to a very very good offensive day yeah well okay those are the really interesting important games let's uh get through the rest of these pretty quickly here uh let's talk about tcu colorado that game went down on friday night tcu beat the shit out of colorado no surprise there 38 to 13 some very bizarre decision making from carl Durrell. uh it might have just been been me but it felt like people were lighting him up all on twitter greg do you have any quick thoughts about this game uh colorado generally uh, I was wrong about Brendan Lewis. He is indeed that bad. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Other than that, not really much to say. The end outcome was about what I expected to be. Just took us a little longer to get there than I thought it should have. TCO was really bad in the first half. Yeah, terrible. Avery, any quick thoughts about this one? Yeah, our Lord and Savior, JT Shroud, should be starting every game. I don't know why Carl Durrell put him in and then took him out later in the game. He should have stayed in. He was clearly the better quarterback, and he should start the next game. And I hope I never see Brennan Lewis play again. But if I do, it will be hilarious. So I guess I don't really care either way. I do want to be clear. I still think even though JT Shroud is better than Brendan Lewis, he's He's probably the twelfth best quarterback in the conference anyway. He didn't. I, I don't even think. I'm not even sure I'm ready to go there. I thought JT Shroud actually looked pretty good. Um, I, I think it's safe really to say su- he's the twelfth best in the, the conference. Uh, Cam Ward looked like shit. I'm just gonna say. I don't that. think he was worse than JT Shroud. No, he, didn't. he looked like fucking. In the it was his that receivers I saw, that looked like shit. Yeah, 
which sucks, but like, what are you going to do? Was the Whereas like JT Shrout has a rocket ship arm. You just it's don't know where accurate. it's going. Yeah, you don't know where it's going. Sometimes it's a laser right to the receiver's hands, and sometimes it's like, I'm not sure which receiver he was aiming at there. Uh, I think there is a reason that Durrell is playing Lewis, even if I still think he was wrong to play Lewis. I think that it feels it felt night and day to me, but I, I get it. I understand where you're coming from here. Uh, okay, let's talk. Let's not talk about TCU Colorado. Colorado's they're on 0 and 12 watch. I think that this game just confirmed that it, TCU sucks, but like bad. Colorado's bad, 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 bad. Okay, a uh, bunch of sloppy ass FCS wins. Arizona State beat NAU 40 to three on Thursday night. Uh, Saturday afternoon, Cal beat UC Davis 34 to 13, and Stanford. Beat Colgate 41 to 10. Lots of hijinks in all of these games. Uh, I think we can agree they were all really ugly and dumb. But of these three wins, was there a team you walked away feeling better about, Avery? No. I feel exactly <laughs> the same that I did preseason. I have I have not changed uh, my opinions on any of them. I was happy to see Tanner McKee scoring touchdowns, mainly because he's my fantasy quarterback. But uh, yes. he's also just a good quarterback, and I'm happy he's no longer injured because I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. But overall, I don't feel better about any of these teams. Uh, oh, and I... EJ, EJ Smith played really well against Colgate mm-hmm. um, yeah, for Stanford. I completely forgot that he's Emmett Smith's son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I always up. forget that. I don't that. know how you could. I don't know how you could. They bring it up like 10 fucking times during the broadcast. Well, I mean, like but... before the season, forgot. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, I kind of disagree. I feel a little bit better about Arizona State. Like, I feel like. You couldn't clear... pay me to feel good about Arizona State, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they have more talent than I thought they did. Uh, I feel like even if it was kind of ugly, it was boring because Arizona State made it largely uneventful. Nothing was chaotic. It wasn't like dramatically bad. It wasn't a sort of thing where, oh, maybe NAU is going to give them a, a run here. It was pretty run of the mill, like 40 to 3 win over an FCS team. Uh, X Validay, the running back, he looked awesome. Uh, I was really impressed with him. He may be the bet, like a top three or four running back by the time all things are said and done, as long as Arizona State doesn't go on quit watch. Emery Jones actually looked pretty good like i was really impressed with his composure again nau like i understand that but he didn't look like charlie brewer did against an fcs team um so i i felt a little bit better about arizona state i want to adjust my expectations of them a little bit from like two and ten three and nine to like i think they're a five win team probably six win they can get bowling as long as they just don't completely collapse and quit um, and I'm not sure that they're, it seems like the vibes around the team are better. So that's probably the one of the other teams. The other teams I feel this, the, the same about Cal, uninspiring win, but I also expect them to be uninspiring. I expect them to be five wins, six wins. In Stanford, I think they're dog shit. Uh, they looked like absolute dog shit against Colgate. Uh, but I don't know. Greg, do you feel, you don't feel better about any of these teams? You think they're about where you have them? Maybe a little better about Stanford because I keep forgetting that Bryson Tremaine exists and he is a very, yes. very good receiver. He's uh, fantastic. But Colgate is not a challenge. Uh, well, they gave him a challenge. <laughs> and I, the score says 41 to 10, but it, it was, was closer, closer than, than that. that at the beginning. And I, uh, 
I got a nice middle where I bet Colgate pregame and live bet Stanford. And so I won both sides of that. That was super fun. But <laughs> in terms of actual football, I don't feel that much different about Stanford than I did going in uh, or Arizona State or Cal. Uh, good stat here from our buddy Chad in the Patreon Discord. Ben Urosik, who was going to be their primary uh, tight end, people he was getting all-conference uh, hype a little bit. He had one reception or one yard. Yeah, he was uh, really quiet during that game. <laughs> yeah, he got uh, no no run whatsoever. Uh, I didn't get to watch much of this game. I was watching mostly when things were chaotic. <laughs> uh, they had two back-to-back muffed punts that gave Colgate some really advantageous positioning, way more advantageous than I had thought. But generally, talent went out. Uh, EJ Smith, 11 carries, 118 yards, two touchdowns, pretty good. Tanner McKee, 22 completions, 27 attempts, 308 yards, two, t- uh, two touchdowns. Did throw a pick in there. Uh, but, you know, this is going to be Stanford now. Great quarterback, really great receiver talent, maybe a, a pretty decent running back, but that might be it. Um, I was not impressed with their offensive line. Their defensive line looked as bad as I can remember. Uh, against a much, much, much less talented team. So, I, I don't know. Why are we talking about Stanford this much? This is insane. Uh, we're real sickos. Uh, so, anyway, anything else about Cal beating UC Davis, Arizona State beating NAU, Stanford beating Colgate? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. Let's do a little segment here that I thought we'd come up. A- MVPs for this week. Is there someone that you want to name your MVP? I know we've got Oregon State to wrap up. I know we've got Washington. But pending what we've seen so far, who is your MVP? It could be a player could be a coach could be someone else uh avery do you have an mvp top my of mvp mind? is chance nolan yeah because quite frankly i never thought he would be able to achieve some of the throws he made in the game he fantastic throws fantastic Incredible. throws greg what about you you got an mvp uh chance nolan's a great pick uh i'm gonna go with uh jacob cowing uh, he was just incredible against san diego state Probably going to be one of the. I bet he'll be first team all conference in the Pac-12 at the end of the year. It's just he's just very very good and very very impressive in that game in particular. Yeah, I, I'll go with another Arizona player. I'm going to say Jaden Delora. I felt like he had some moments. Now he had some very Jaden Delora y moments, but he he is such a massive upgrade over Jordan McLeod, over Gunnar Cruz, over Will Plummer, like massive upgrade like just day, like mm. night and day so uh <laughs> avery's yawning you don't even have to edit that out right <laughs> would you like to yawn louder in our mic I'm so, I'm now so i can't edit it out because i've addressed it uh <laughs> um okay any other mvps players that you want to shout out um t-mac no. was great we already talked about that. Uh, Roma Dunze for Washington has looked pretty good. Good, uh, cool. It's good to see Washington receivers uh, be not not look completely useless uh, like last year. Yeah, <laughs> involved. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. The top of the conference had a brutal week, but the middle of the conference looks strong. I'm. Uh, we might get some dumb parody, but like I, I, or maybe there's a new top. Maybe Oregon State really is the top of the conference. That would be something. <laughs> I hope. Um, okay, let's uh, let's do some quick game predictions. 
uh, let's go through these quickly because Matt and Greg are going to break these games down for our main feed. That's going to drop on our $3 Patreon tier on, on Thursday at 5 a.m. So we're just doing some quick picks here and we'll do deep dives later. Uh, we don't have spreads because this is coming out pretty late. We'll have spreads uh, when we record the second half of this. Very disjointed show this week, but just how it is with the schedules. We start next week at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, Southern Utah, traveling to Salt Lake City to play Utah. I don't know what the spread is, but Avery, who wins and how? by how many uh, do you think Utah's going to win? Utah's going to win, and they'll probably win by... Let's say they'll win by 30. Okay. Greg? I think Utah is going to take out their frustration on poor Southern Utah. And, uh, poor Thunderbirds. It'll be ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Ave, uh, yeah, give me Utah by... What's the spread I'm willing to cover? I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll be willing to cover 20, 27. If it's anything, anything at 27... I'll pick Utah to cover. I feel uh, like it okay. could easily be 40. Yeah. I I would not put money on 40 just because Utah. I wouldn't put money on, on 40 either, uh, just on principle. But I yeah. can see it being 40 just with uh, Utah's defense wanting to prove a point and Utah's offense just being able to push them around. Sounds good. 12.30 Pacific on CBS. Colorado travels to Colorado Spling, Springs. Colorado Springs to play Air Force. Greg, who wins, who covers? Ooh, I mean, is there really a question here? Uh, it's going to be Air Force, and it's going to be big, and I'm going to have so much fun heading on Air Force. What's what's the the biggest spread you'll be willing to take here? Biggest spread, I'd take them up to three touchdowns, but I think they'll win by, like, 35. Avery? Mm, probably 20. Okay. Uh, yeah, I take, I don't know how good Air Force is supposed to be. It is a mid-major, but I don't really know anything about them. So I'll say like 10. Uh, Colorado will lose by 10, at the very least. Uh, this might be one of their last opportunities for a win, to be honest. They don't have very many. They, they're on 0-12 watch for sure. Okay, same time, 12.30 Pacific, Washington State gets a big-time opponent on the road. They travel to Madison to play Wisconsin. Greg, who wins, who covers? Washington State did not look impressive against Idaho. Wisconsin, I believe, did look impressive uh, this week. There was a lot of praise for Graham Mertz, uh, who has been bad recently. So if he's that's a that's a, a fake jump, name, Graham Mertz. It's a very Wisconsin uh, Graham Mertz, very Wisconsin <laughs> name, right there. Okay, that's uh, made up, but okay. But yeah, I think Washington will win, and I mean, Wisconsin will win, and I think they'll win by like three touchdowns. Avery, what's the smallest spread you'll take here? Biggest spread. I'm anyway. so I'm so sad cuz before the season I wanted to like come in here with my hot take and say Wazoo would win. But Wazoo looked so bad tonight and I just can't comfortably say that. So I think Wisconsin's going to win and I don't bet. So I'm kind of a dummy with this, but I think I'm going to go like 18 points. Okay. Washington State always does this thing where they look like shit against FCS teams. It's like written in the stars every year. They have to look like dog shit against an FCS team. I don't know what it is. And oftentimes I I never feel, I always feel like at the beginning of a season, it's going to matter. It's going to be a harbinger of things to come. And then when the season actually gets going, they look better than that. So I'm going to say that the, this is competitive. I'm going to say it's, I don't know, like within 10 points. Just because Washington State does that. They just lose to FCS teams or they let them have way, way, way too much fun. Uh, so I'm not going to count it against them this much just because that's what Washington State does. So I'll say like 10. 
be a 10 point difference. Okay, 1 p.m. Pacific, UNLV traveling to Berkeley to play Cal Avery. Who wins and by how much? Cal will win. And Cal will win by 23 points. Okay. Greg? I think Cal will win like 35 to 14, 35 to 21. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. I don't know if UNLV is any competitive, but I bet they're not. They're not. Uh, and Cal just beat handily a, a, what's supposed to be a good FCS team in UC Davis. So I'll pick them to win by like 17. Uh, same time, 1 p.m. Pacific, Portland State traveling to Seattle to play UW. Greg, who does... <laughs> UW's not going to lose to this FCS team, will they? I hope not. Uh, it would be super funny if they did, though. Uh, <laughs> however... <laughs> I think Kalen DeBoer is on a mission to show you dub that uh, it's different with him and that they'll be fun to watch and they won't be losing to FCS teams. So I think he'll want to run up the score again, build up some goodwill. Uh, so I, yeah, I'll take you dub by a lot, like 30. Our buddy, Matty Schwaz, who also hosts the Ducks and Dogs podcast, he said uh, he's a Washington fan. If they lose to Portland State, I will kiss myself. Very interesting but don't know what that would do. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, yeah, UW is going to beat the shit out of Portland State. I think they're ready. Um, I think them beating the shit out of Kent State is already a pretty good omen, a pretty good sign. Their offense is clicking. They've got defensive talent. I'm, I'm going to pick Washington to win by like 30. Uh, did Avery, did you go already? Um, I believe that Washington will also win by 30. We're very yeah. united once again. Uh, nah, it's a bad idea. Saw how that worked Although out. I feel like for we us. did pretty well this week. We did know? really yeah. well this week, besides the Utah game. Yeah, pretty good. And Carlos didn't get San Diego State right, but other than yeah, that, I mean, I wanted to pick Carlos. Arizona, but I, but I, but I swerved. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I should have just stuck to my guns and made someone else swerve. Uh, Alabama State travels to LA to play UCLA at 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Avery, how much is UCLA winning by here? This is an FCS team. I'm thrilled that UCLA is playing Alabama State, a historic black college. Um, but UCLA is going to win. I don't know what the spread is, but I expect UCLA to cover probably by like three scores. Yeah, whatever the spread is, I would probably pick UCLA to cover. I will probably secretly be rooting for the HBCU, though, for racial justice and uh, because UCLA causes me nothing but pain. Uh, so I would say whatever the, the spread is, I'm probably going to take it up to like 35 even. Uh, Greg, I would I would not recommend betting on this game uh, <laughs> for lots of reasons, but UCLA will win and it will never be in doubt. And that's what matters. OK, good. Uh, 40, 30 Pacific for <laughs> 430 Pacific USC is traveling to Palo Alto to play Stanford. USC will be a favorite by how much TBD. Uh, for some reason, this game is on ABC at prime time. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I, it's probably because I think it's a really it's weak slate. Pac-12 just has a lot of weak games. Well, I think the country has a lot of yeah. weak games. Hey, we'll get you to see USC on a big uh, on a on a big stage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Avery, Stanford. Oh, that would be funny. Be but I don't think I, so. I believe that USC will win. Um, Stanford's defense didn't look incredible, even though they played Colgate. So I expect USC to win and probably win by three scores. Greg? I expect the same. Also, Tanner McKee at times last year, when he felt like he had to put the team on his back, did make some throws. 
that uh, were questionable, and it looks like USC is going to be ready to capitalize on those this year. So I think that's another thing that plays into their favor. I'm definitely going to take USC. Yeah, I'm taking USC. They look like they are out for blood right now, uh, and Stanford's a wounded seal in the ocean. So uh, give me give me USC by like at least three touchdowns. Okay, 4:30 Pacific, same time. ASC was traveling to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's going to be a favorite. How much TBD? Greg, who wins? And by how much? Well, weird part of me wants me to take Arizona State. However, I know that's stupid. And so I'll take Oklahoma State by like 17. Uh, The one thing that gives me pause is after going up to a massive lead on Central Michigan, Oklahoma State did let him back in. Maybe the defense is not what it was last year, which could uh, make things much easier for Arizona State. Don't think it'll matter, though, because Arizona State's... I still don't think they're that good, and Oklahoma State is pretty good. Okay. Avery? I think it'll be Oklahoma State by 24. That would be very bad. Uh, I am not ready to give up on Arizona State. I think I think this is going to be a one-score game when it's all said and done. Uh, I think Herm Edwards is known for making this shit uh, one one score game games like this but i think oklahoma state wins so give me oklahoma state but only by like a score i think arizona state could be a little more surprising than than what we're what we're expecting out of them okay 5 30 pacific uh eastern washington traveling to eugene to play oregon greg how much is oregon winning by are they going to take their frustration on eastern washington or are they a little fraudulent here's the thing an oregon fan pointed this out on twitter uh, I don't remember who, but Oregon has traditionally had some tough times with Eastern Washington, I think. I think they've made it a little tough on them. They are a pretty good FCS team. I still think Oregon will win, and I don't think it'll be that much trouble, but maybe it won't be like a 40-point win. Maybe it won't be a win that has uh, Oregon fans super satisfied afterwards. Avery, what about you? I think Oregon will win by 14 points. That would be, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun game. We'd have it to would be fun. Hit, hit the panic, hit the panic button on Oregon if that were to happen. I say Oregon wins by three touchdowns, just enough to stave off the panic button. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Pac-12 After Dark starts at 7:30 Pacific. Our beloved Oregon State Beavlet is traveling south to California to play Jeff Tedford and Fresno State. Avery, who wins this one? All right. Um, I've Oregon State's kind of struggling with Boise State over here. I still expect them to win. But seeing how they handled Boise State, I expect them to handle Fresno State similarly. And Fresno State has a new head coach coming in. So give me Oregon State by like 16. I don't, I don't know how to do spreads, guys. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, Greg, what about you? Yeah, I mean, like, against Fresno, I think they're going to be able to stifle that offense a little bit. I think Fresno's offensive line is pretty bad, and with the way Oregon State's defensive line has looked in the Boise game and the way their secondary looked, I think there's a lot of opportunity for that defense to give the offense some great field position. 
and so I'll take Oregon State comfortably, like 17. Yeah, I'll take Oregon State like two touchdowns. Fresno State did not look good against Cal Poly. It looked pretty shaky for them, actually, against Cal Poly from what I had heard. It's going to be in Fresno State uh, as a good road test for Oregon State, but I, I think they found something. I mean, again, I'm not watching the second half of the game. I'll go back to watch it when we're done here, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll change my mind. Uh, finally, <laughs> this one's going to be fucking insane. 8 p.m. Pacific in Tucson. Late, late night game in the desert. Mississippi State and January 6th enjoyer Mike Leach play Arizona again in Tucson. Greg, who wins this game and by how much? Well, on the one hand, I have my anti-Arizona agenda. On the other hand, I really don't like Mike Leach. And I would really like him to lose. And it would be very funny and fun to watch. So, fuck it. I'm going to pick Arizona. All right. Back-to-back weeks. Greg, you're becoming an Arizona Bowl-eligible uh, agenda Once subscriber. we get to Pac-12 play, I'll be on the other side in every game except for Colorado. Uh, we'll Just... see because because some of these teams look not good. They do play Cal, uh, so maybe not. And they still. play UCLA, and they will play Colorado. Uh, I don't fuck know. Off, fuck uh, off. Fuck off. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, Avery. Who wins Arizona Mississippi State? Um, this is my bad vibes game of the week. And I said I wasn't oh, gonna fuck. do it until um week four because I I needed more uh stats. I knew model. you were gonna fucking pick a game this week. I Can knew I change, it. Can I change my pick? <laughs> uh I'm sorry. It's just I've thought some more about it, and it occurred to me that that would be picking a Pac-12 team against an SEC team, and I refuse to do that. Uh, I've had a change of heart. Um, I'm sorry. I'll do better in the future, but uh, go go whatever Mississippi State's mascot is. Bulldogs. Uh, Avery, were you going to pick Arizona? I'm going to pick Arizona to win this game, and my reasoning for picking Arizona is because, one, it is Pac-12 after dark. It's 8 p.m. in Tucson. That's fucking crazy. Against Mississippi State, who is coached by Mike Leach. Like, that's the fucking craziest you could get. Um, I think this is going to be extremely chaotic. And I liked what I saw from Arizona. It wasn't amazing. But Mike Leach isn't an elite coach. So he's just weird and makes things weird. This game will be weird. Um... And if Arizona loses, I'm just going to say my model wasn't calibrated and I should have waited till week four to make a bad vibes pick. So, <laughs> bear down. And I'm sorry to I'm sorry to ruin the vibes, but you, you should have known that I was going to also pick Arizona. Uh, I figured you would. Yeah. Uh, I don't trust Mike Leach. Jed Fish, pretty good coach. I think he game plans pretty well. I think he scouts teams pretty well. Mike Leach, infamously bad at uh trying to figure out how teams are scouting him just look at any game against washington ever in his career uh no i'm i'm absolutely picking arizona this is gonna be chaotic though this is gonna be weird 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 um but i am i'm picking arizona i don't think it'll be like i'm not picking them by anything more than three points but they will win by one two or three points but they will win. that's a that's like a 10 p.m kick for people in mississippi so like i no, fully it's like expect- 11 no it's they're they're in the central time zone um is that right i fully expect them that to fuck with mississippi state's team yeah they are in the central yeah i it's a it's 
a weird spot to be in. Welcome back. Uh, we're recording this now the morning after all of the week one Pac-12 games. We finally got some final scores for Oregon State, Boise State, and Washington, Kent State. Oregon State, Boise State got a little more competitive than I think we were hoping for towards the end. But Oregon State was never really in danger of losing that game. They ended up winning 34-17. to 17. Meanwhile, Washington uh, maintained its pace and blew the shit out of Kent State, 45-20. to 20. Uh, Pretty good outings from both the quarterbacks in that one, mostly for Michael Penix Jr. He finished with uh, 345 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, in the end, they actually brought in Dylan Morris, our old buddy Dylan Morris, to spell him uh, as the game was pretty much in hand. Pretty interesting that it wasn't Sam Huard, but I get it. We already have many conversations about that uh, elsewhere. So that's where we're at right now. We've got uh, also, I think we did this coming out during the episode, Washington State beat Idaho. So I think that was official by the time we finished recording last night. But any thoughts about either Oregon State or Washington, however much you saw, however much you engaged with? I'm here just with Greg, by the way. We're coming the morning after. Avery and Matt are both uh, gone. They're not able to join us. But uh, Greg, any thoughts about Washington uh, or Oregon State? Yeah, let's start with Oregon State because I think that was the more interesting game. I was very impressed overall from Oregon State. Their defense looked really good. the offense was especially impressive with how capable Chance Nolan looked, although we might have talked him up a little bit too much last night, even with the great game he had, like with some of the great throws he made. Did make some mistakes. Statistically, it wasn't a great game. That being said, still, I was very impressed by Oregon State, and I think better of them than I did coming into the into the week. Yeah, despite the Chance Nolan, Chance Nolan first half looked incredible. I really thought we were getting some some insane jump from him. I mean, I think he still was good um, and and better and improved from last season. And Boise State, again, must be said, not an also-ran G5 program. It's a very respectable, good G5 program. Even if they're bad, they're probably getting nine wins. They're probably going to be in contention for an, a Mountain West title. But Chance Nolan, I think, uh, performed reasonably well and looked better than he did against Utah State in the bowl game last year. The most impressive thing about Oregon State, and we kind of talked about this, is defensively, they're a much better team uh, than I think any of us were expecting and than they were last year. And that's gonna that, more than anything, is probably the thing that I'm most excited about for Oregon State. Last year, <laughs> Oregon State had a brutal defense. Uh, it was uh, not as bad as some of the worst defenses in the Pac-12. Like I think Washington and Stanford had worse rushing defenses than Oregon State, but uh, Oregon State was pretty well-rounded in the sense that they were bad at everything, uh, especially on the road. Now this game was at home. I get it; it's in Corvallis, but I also think that a lot of the things that we learned from Oregon State last night uh, were are pretty portable. Like you know, the defensive backs. I don't know that they were just locked in because it was a home game. Maybe it was because the first game of the season, you get some some real hype around that. But I was really impressed with their defensive backs. They were awesome. Um, we talked about that uh, again, but it it's worth repeating that the defensive backs did a great job, made Boise State look listless on offense. Uh, Washington, on the other hand, beat Kent State. Uh, and the story coming out of that one is probably Michael Penix Jr.'s, like, big, massive, ridiculous night. 
Uh, again, threw for 345 yards, four touchdowns, uh, no picks, 26 for 39 um, passing. Uh, he was great. He was fantastic. Uh, it kind it looked like Washington was lobbing bombs everywhere. That offense really competent. Uh, this is night and day from what we saw in 2021, and and for good reason. Like I think we expected it to be a a, a pretty big improvement. Just because they were getting an offensive coach, Kalen DeBoer mostly knows what he's doing offensively. Uh, who knows if this is going to carry over to uh, better teams? But Greg, do you have any thoughts about what Washington did against Kent State? It was very impressive. Uh, last year's Washington couldn't have done that, I don't think. Even with their, you know, they had that big win against Arkansas State, but I still don't think they looked nearly as impressive offensively in that game as they did uh, last night. Michael Penix looked incredible. Like, he was making great throws, making good decisions. Like, did not look like a shell of his former self, which I think I was kind of expecting him to coming into the year. So that was really encouraging uh, from from Washington. Uh, the defense uh, was a little worrying, I think. Like, the secondary did not look good. Uh, Kent State was able to move the ball on him. Uh, but... Overall, I think your point about this, you know, not being a great team uh, is a good one. We don't really know what we're getting from Washington and to a lesser extent Oregon State quite yet until we see them playing more representative competition. Uh, But anyway, I think still very, very encouraging from Washington. You're right. It's not a particularly good team. At the same time, they were not putting together offensive performances quite like this one against similar competition. Yes, again, you're right. Arkansas State from 2021. But... Uh, I think those are different circumstances. Uh, this was this was genuinely an impressive performance. I felt like they were really getting guys in space. Like the offensive philosophy has has certainly shifted a lot, uh, as we would expect, given the fact that Kalen DeBoer is now at the helm. I'm really excited about them. I think they what they're probably the third or fourth fourth most talented team in the Pac-12. Probably uh, they have talent. They have residual talent. They have more residual talent than any other team except Oregon and USC. So I, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to put it together if this if it continues, right? I think at this point, I'm feeling Kalen DeBoer's, I don't know, just feels pretty competent to me. But um, it's hard to compare, right? Because like, uh, <laughs> the state over their rivals, Oregon, looked uh, horrible against an elite team. So it's, it's, it's tough to make that comparison. Okay, well, that's Washington, Oregon State. But we did ha- we have had a night's sleep and some reflection to think back about the games. Anything, Greg, from last night that is still bubbling around in your mind that you think uh, you want to revise? Any, I don't know, <laughs> anything that you feel like you want to take back from from uh, the previous? Again, we're recording this the morning after, so you're getting like two days of recording in this one episode so uh (laughs) what sounds like to you greg is gonna say something like 10 minutes before he's probably gonna completely contradict it now but any any reflections greg yeah i think i might have uh undersold usc last night i was very quick to dismiss them but i think i jumped the gun a little bit uh caleb williams and those receivers are very very good and uh are definitely going to give defenses, especially Utah's defense, uh, a lot of trouble this season. And uh, last night I uh, did, I think I undersold that a lot. Yeah. 
Uh, it was uh, it was an incredible performance. I'm, I was looking back at just some basic stats. We don't have any of. I don't think we have any of the advanced stat box scores up yet. But USC punted one time this entire game. <laughs> they turned it over zero times and they punted one time. Uh, they mm-hmm. scored on every other possession. That's fucking ridiculous. I don't know what the point per drive is on that. But it's uh, going to be astronomical when we actually get uh, some of that. I mean, points per drive, you can calculate pretty easily. But I don't, I don't have the capacity to do that. And, you know, it was a well-rounded game. It's going to be interesting to see how much Caleb Williams. I was also noticing that he was the one who was uh, uh, doing a lot of work. Uh, they passed the ball 29 times last night despite being up 66, despite winning 66 to 14. Uh, they did, you know, give it a, give it a few uh, rushing attempts to a bunch of players but um they look good uh, again it's rice like maybe one of the worst what teams in all of fbs um so and they won't really get tested assuming that we think assuming that stanford is bad and there was the one stanford fan last night who was adamant that this was a seven and five team stanford team but i'm pretty sure we all think that they're gonna be ass mm-hmm. usc won't really get a test until week four um they get at they go at Stanford. They host Fresno State, which could be good, I guess. And then they travel to Corvallis uh, in week four. So we'll see about that. Uh, one, just uh, reflecting back, I feel like I want to give Utah a little bit more credit, I think. Um, it was a great team. It was in the swamp. I, I mean, we noted these things last night when we talked about them, or earlier this episode when we talked about them. Uh, but it was a it was a tough game, a tough situation. I never thought, even immediately after that game, that Utah still wasn't going to be the best team in the Pac-12. I think if you, I think it's going to be interesting the collision course with USC. Utah doesn't look as in, uh, invincible as they had um, before, and USC might be better than immediately out of the gate than we thought they would be. Uh, but I I'm curious to see how utah recovers i think they absolutely could they were moving the ball on florida defensively again question marks but it could just be first game of the season don't know what florida is going to look like important to note that like florida was running an offensive system for the first time under first year head coach billy napier and like yeah you're probably looking back at louisiana tech uh film to figure out what louisiana tech was doing when billy napier was there that's where he was at right it was uh, just Louisiana. Louisiana. Not, uh, yeah. Not tech. Okay. Uh, so that's probably one where I'd, still a disappointing performance, but I, I'd probably ease off on them a little bit. Yeah. I think the big thing, like there were a lot of negatives from that game for Utah. Like the defense looked really bad. Cam Rising looked really bad. But the one big, big, big positive, I think, was that Utah's offensive line for most of that game pushed Florida around. Uh, Utah was able to survive Cam Rising being bad for the most part, you know, until the very end uh, because their offensive line was so good in that game. And I think that is really encouraging for what they'll be able to do against the rest of the Pac-12 because how many other pac 12 like how many, is there even one Pac-12 school that has a better front seven than Florida? Maybe Oregon. Maybe Oregon. Yeah. But outside yeah. of Oregon, I don't think anyone's close. And that is really encouraging for Utah. They're going to be able to impose their will offensively. Defensively, it's a different story. But you know, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what other offensive lines look like in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, almost 450 yards of total offense from Utah against that Florida uh, defense. So that de- that offense 
could be really good. Like it might be, it might be the. I mean, and it probably will be the best Utah's ever had. Might be one, one or no, number one or number two in the Pac-12. We'll see. Uh, at least in terms of efficiency, I think Utah, um, USC will probably get more production total. But mm-hmm. in terms of efficiency, Utah might might be up there because that they were they were rolling. Um, okay, I I made a bunch of rankings last night. Uh, so I thought we would just go through them. I'm going to say them, and you're going to react, okay? Uh, so let's go through the Pac-12 team rankings that I put out last night, pretty much right after the games ended. Uh, I have a couple of tiers here that they broke them out to. Tier 1, national contenders. I did this. I'm going to explain this now. I did it by default, more, mostly like this is the only team that I think has aspirations left just because of the way Week 1 went down. Tier 1, national contenders by themselves. Number 1, USC. Uh, and then I'll go through tier two and you can react to both of those tier two conference contenders teams that I think could win Pac-12 reasonably um, that it doesn't require you squinting your eyes or doing some mental gymnastics, but they could win the conference after what we saw last night. Number two, Utah, uh, number three, Oregon State, number four, Oregon, number five, Washington. So that's the ranking one USC national contender and then conference contenders two Utah, three, Oregon State, four, Oregon, five, Washington. Immediate reactions, Greg. Um, I mean, we talked on Twitter about, uh, the national contender thing with USC. At first I thought it was crazy because I thought you were saying that, um, USC were like contenders to go to the playoff and maybe win a game there. Uh, but in terms of like, as that just means teams with national aspirations, like making the playoffs, I think, yeah, USC deserves to be there. That being said, I still think Utah's a better team, uh, I would have Oregon ahead of Oregon State still because Oregon played Georgia. Uh, I want to see him against a team closer to the Pac-12's level before I, I bump him down below Oregon State. Uh, and I like that you put UW above the other middle-of-the-pac teams. Uh, I, I agree with that um, because they looked great. They have the talent, and it looks like they have the coaching now too to actually contend in the conference. Okay. Uh, so let's go through the tier three here to have, we'll go through tier three and tier four together. Tier three is what I have middle of the pack. Number six, Arizona, number seven, UCLA, number eight, Arizona state, number nine, Washington state, number 10, Cal, and then the basement tier, number 11, Stanford, number 12, Colorado. Any immediate reactions to, to that ranking? I'll go through them again. Arizona, UCLA, Arizona state, Washington state, Cal, Stanford, Colorado. Seems a little bit harsh. Uh, to put Stanford in the Colorado tier when they looked so much better than Colorado did. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Stanford's going to be good, but I, mean, I think TC, they're closer but, to Cal than they are to Colorado. You know what I mean? I mean, put Stanford against TCU, they probably get their asses kicked the same way. Uh, those Actually, are, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. TCU was really, really bad. Like, <laughs> okay. I don't know that Stanford would have won, but I know they wouldn't have lost like that. Okay. All right, that's fair. Any, any, um, the one here that I'm that I sort I of was like Arizona two spots lower. Also, you'd put them but, below a, a UCLA and Arizona State. Yes, I would. I you don't. Th- I thought they looked better. Okay, they looked better than UCLA and Arizona State. Arizona did against better competition. Like Arizona looked better against uh, San Diego State, a good San Diego State team, than UCLA looked against Bowling Green and. Then Arizona State looked against Northern Arizona. How, like, why, why? I think that UCLA is better than what they showed in that uh, 
in that game against Bowling Green. Uh, I think a lot of their struggles had to do with it being a very, very hot day in the Rose Bowl with nobody watching against a team everybody in the world knew they were going to beat. I feel like they just didn't have a ton of motivation. And also, um, I was still concerned by a few things when I watched Arizona. Like, the defense I don't think is good, and the offensive line I have some questions about. And like we talked about with well, like we talked about with Washington, ASU still has some residual talent that I think could really, uh, really give Arizona some problems. And if Emory Jones, you know, he can run, and I think that will be an issue for Arizona's defense. So uh, I would put I would put Arizona below those two. That being said, in a few weeks, it is absolutely feasible that I'd have them above UCLA and Arizona State. Okay. All right. I see. I mean, I, I think Arizona has as much talent as Arizona State does. I think it's pretty clear to me that the gap between those talent-wise is not big, um, especially just watching Arizona look like a completely different team against San Diego State on the road, no less. Um, but, okay. All right. That's fine. I mean, I, your, your Arizona hate agenda is, uh, is dying, and you're, here you are sitting on this hill. <laughs> well, how is this sitting on this hill? I have clearly changed how i think about them at least a little bit i didn't think they were going to be better than washington state i have them above washington state right now and that's because washington state looked like say... asshole <laughs> what that's because washington state looked like asshole <laughs> but ucla and arizona state still ended up taking care of business and none of them were playing True. very representative competition i think san diego state is worse than uh worse than we might have thought coming into the year just with how bad their offense looked. Um, I would if, say that Arizona was at least partly responsible for that. I don't think their defense was responsible for that. Uh, okay. I, I think okay. they were responsible for making Air, uh, San Diego State's defense look bad. Like, I definitely give their offense credit. Okay. But, um, yeah, in a few weeks, if Arizona keeps playing like this, and if UCLA and ASU have some hiccups, I'll absolutely move them. But until then... All right, well, that's it. Thank you all for listening. Uh, again, we've got Greg and Matt's betting preview. Uh, they'll preview the Pac-12 slate, go do a deep dive. It's not just about betting. They also talk about the teams because you have to. You can't talk about whether you think uh, USC is going to cover the spread against Stanford without talking about how well USC is going to play and has played. So check that out if you want a deep dive preview. That's going to drop actually on our $3 tier on Patreon. We're kind of figuring out what the right level of content and stuff is. So uh we're adding that as a a preview episode that'll drop thursdays at 5 a.m and also next sunday 10 a.m 10 15 a.m pacific we'll be live recording this episode on our patreon discord so go check all of that out at notruckstops.com that's greg last night that was avery and uh our buddy matt thinking about him i'm carlos thank you all for listening and remember there are no truck stops here not even one